Welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott, a psychotherapist in Naples, Florida, who is using her 35 years of experience to develop improvisation programs, benefiting and improving the lives of those with emotional and physical challenges. Improv Interviews brings together the world's leading improvisational theater masters, founders, and innovators who are using improvisation therapeutically in unique and surprising ways. With great guests that include legends like Ed Asner and Aretha Sills, you're sure to learn something new about improvisation. This is Improv Interviews with your host, Margot Escott. Welcome, and today's guest is a specially wonderful guest. His name is Peter Margritas, and he is many, many things. He's kind of a renaissance man. He's an author, a speaker, a blogger, a podcaster, a non-practicing CPA, and a member of many organizations, including the National Speakers Association. And I got to meet him through our mutual wonderful friend, Jay Suko. And Jay had told me that there was a gentleman I must meet because he really knew technology and was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, he's been very, very kind and helpful to me during some of my technological uh, ex explorations during this uh, difficult period in our times and a lot of fun to be around. So good morning, Peter. Good morning, Margo. Thank you for having me on your podcast. This is going to be a ton of fun today. I forgot to say that you're the chief enter entertainment officer of the Accidental Accountant. So that's a very important title as well. Yes, I, I've, I, I used to teach at the university and it was always my thought in order to connect with the students, we need to entertain. We need, we need to provide entertainment in the complexities that we're trying to get across to them. So that's the chief edutainment officer. I want to educate as well as I want to entertain. And you do that so well. So uh, were you funny as a kid? Were you the guy in class that was always making jokes because you were bored or what were you like in elementary school? I, I don't, I'm, you can ask my brothers. I don't remember a whole lot from my childhood, but there are pieces and I do remember in elementary school, I tried out for the talent show. And I got accepted to be to, to, to do it. And I got to do, I, my mom made me the beard, the robe. I got to be Moses. And I did Bill Cosby's bit on Moses. So to answer your question, yes, I've always wanted to be that funny person. That's quite an image. I wish you had a picture to show that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah <laughs> so do so, I. <laughs> so you, uh, did you want to become an actor or a speaker or something like that? And your father told you you better get a real occupation. How did that go? Yeah, uh, I always had this desire to be a stand-up comic. Um, and I, I, I was, my father was very, you know, go to school, get a you know, career, yada, yada, yada. And, and, and being the firstborn, uh, I was guilted into it. I, I, don't, I don't regret ever my background. The only thing maybe is I didn't, at one point in time, I did have the opportunity, I was doing stand-up, uh, and I was starting to move up within the ranks, and then uh, I was in, working on my master's degree in Bean County, and I decided I needed to focus my time there instead of focus my time writing material. And, um, but you know what they say about stand-up comedy. You know what the difference between stand-up comedy and heroin is, don't you? Uh, you can give up heroin. You get that, a comedian gets that 
belly laugh and that's their heroin and, and we constantly seek that out and i found that too when i was performing improv i and or any kind of performance yes yes and especially if there's ever a standing oh now when you were doing imp when you were doing stand-up what was your life like then and how old were you when you were doing stand-up uh, i started i tried out uh, probably my 20s i tried out for showtime's funniest man in america i didn't even win <laughs> I, I i didn't even win that day and i was living in fort myers florida at the time um and then I went to graduate school, and I kept I kept doing it through through graduate school, and, and even into when I was working at Price Waterhouse in Cleveland, moved to Cincinnati, and was doing it there. Uh, but I had this friend, I had this friend that I met in Cincinnati doing stand up, and he goes, and he was a member of the uh, Second City Cleveland troupe, which came and went as fast as I said the Cleveland troupe. <laughs> And he said, you might be interested in this improv thing. I do a workshop on Mondays. Why don't you come? And I came to the first one. I didn't get it. I, I thought we were writing stuff. We were playing these silly games and whatever. And I came back the next week and I started to get this aha moment that this isn't writing funny. This is a form of acting, a form of, a form of communication that you, know, you can be really funny doing it. And it's not a script, which I really liked. And from that point on, I fell madly in love with improv. It, I think it's addicting, just like it is. stand up or applause. It is totally addicting. And once we get that into our blood, it really changes our lives. And so how did improv change your life? I, I, I will say that I've only, I, I, I can say, honestly, I've been training through Second City because I've taken a number of the workshops at Second City. I've had wonderful coaches. Um, Jay Suko is my coach, been my coach for uh, close to a year now, but I've never done it from a theatrical perspective, which I'm going to, I am going to do. Uh, and the reason I haven't done it from a theatrical perspective is just because of my line of work, I travel a lot. But I recognized early on that this is a communication tool. Uh, everybody thinks improv is all about being funny and, and they, they were created to a comedian. It's like, it, no, it's just the opposite. And I started adopting the improviser's world, that mindset. I, I changed my mindset, started and found out that there's something really to the power of improv that, as you well know, it goes across different businesses, different genres. It's really a way of life and it has served me very well and even served me even better more powerful today in this land of COVID-19. The improviser's mindset is the ability to adapt to any situation given to them. And if I didn't have that muscle strengthened over the last 20 years, I'm not sure how I'd be dealing with this right now, but I get that question a lot. And you know, the improviser's mindset is really helping me get through this period as well as trying to help others. Well, I totally agree. And I think another big word in improv is acceptance. And we accept, part of the yes and is we accept the reality we're given. And by that, and, and so I, I talk to a lot of improvisers around the country and I find that the adaptation to this new world has been very quick for us. We've adapted very quickly, having Zoom classes and workshops and shows. 
And um, now, were you a, a professional speaker by the time you just when you discovered improv? Had you already been a member of NSA? I had not. I had not been a member of NSA at the time. Uh, I became a member of the National Speakers Association. I was an apprentice in 2002 through 2004, but wasn't a full member until 2012. I took my business full time in 2010 and I provide leadership training based off of improv uh, to primarily financial professionals, accountants, CPAs, because um, they're not the best communicators. I know that's a shock to many that's listening yeah, to this podcast I right now. <laughs> I know. Uh, and it wasn't until 2012 I became a professional speaker. And that's through, the, okay. through NSA. Yeah, that's great. And it's a great organization. Um, I think I took um, Dale Carnegie several times. I, and some of the quotes out of the Dale Carnegie class are, are wonderful. And you, did you take Dale Carnegie as well? I forget. I did not. I did not. And, and Toastmasters, and that was kind of the route I take, took, um, continue to take. Now, you have a, such a prolific career. You're an author. You've written <laughs> two books. Um, you've written uh, Taking the Numb Out of Numbers, uh, and that's towards the accountant uh, financial people, I think. And then Improv is No Joke, which came out in 2015, which is really a guide for leadership. Can you tell me a little bit about Improv is No Joke? Yes, and if you would have told me in 2015 I would have published a book, I would have told you you're crazy because I am not an author. I'm not a professional writer. I'm a speaker who found a publisher who could get this information out of my head on the paper and lay it out. And really, it, it talks about the principle, in my interpretation, it talks about the principles of improvisation with clearly yes and being the first thing and the glue that holds everything together. But then this, this doesn't work if we don't have a foundation of, of, of respect, trust, and support. Margo, I, I have a lot of respect for you, but it doesn't mean I have to like you. I love you, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so in the workforce, we report to a lot of people. And as long as I have respect for them, they have respect for me, we can get things done. But if they don't, we don't have respect for each other, you know what you call that? Congress. <laughs> right? Yeah. Nothing's, yeah. nothing's getting done. And, and the lack of, and, and you have to have, you, you have to be trustworthy. And your team should trust you, you trust your team, and you should provide support to your team. So with, with those three, then comes, you know, obviously listening and maintaining that focus, being present and being adaptable. And when all of this works in unison together, we can, we can do anything we want to. I believe that's true. I really do. And you branched out and so, well, you say you're not really a writer, but you do have wonderful blogs that you've put out. Okay. And, and right. uh, you know, we're going to put the link to your website on this today because uh, you've got so many, much wonderful material there. Um, so you started a podcast a few years ago called Improv, uh, Improv is No Joke. Um, and tell us a little about that. Well, I, to be honest, I knew I was going to be successful as a podcaster because my mother told me when I was a child, I had a face for radio. So <laughs> I knew this is what my calling, I knew that this is a radio show. So, uh, you know, I, I started, I started the podcast after consulting with a, a lot of NSA folks who had started podcasting. 
And they said, the first thing you got to know is commitment, 18 months at a minimum. Find, get a good microphone, find interesting guests. And since the book is based on, focused on leadership and my audience tends to be, from what I can gleam more on the financial services aspect, I, I, they were having a hard time putting the title and the content, you know, the, congruent. But I did about 100 episodes uh, every week and then doing some research, I decided to rebrand it. But I still use that improv mentality in the podcast through um, the conversations that, that I'm having with folks. And a lot of people who know me know my love and passion for it. And, you know, they'll even talk about their stuff and go, yeah, Pete, this sounds like, you know, this, this is like improv, right? And absolutely. Great. And so now it's Change Your Mindset podcast with wonderful mm -hmm. guests. I think you have some really special guests coming up soon. Oh, Let's yeah. Actually, actually <laughs> I just finished writing the introduction to this woman. God, she lives in Naples, Florida. Her name is Margo Escott. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we can use improv as a superpower. You've said that, and I believe that's true. Let's talk about how it could be a superpower. Well, we, we're in a society right now that we listen to respond versus listening to understand. We interrupt. We, we have biases. We have agendas. We have egos. However, that doesn't really work in today's leadership world uh, as effectively as it did maybe in the 70s. Uh, so how it works in today's business is if we can become better listeners that where we listen to understand, we park that agenda, we park the biases and we actually hear what the other person is saying. And when they're finished speaking, pause, take a beat or two and then respond back and push that conversation forward by using the yes and philosophy and getting away from no's and buts and exploring ideas. Now, just by that little aspect of listening to a person and they know that you've listened to them because you've paused, thought for a moment and responded back, that's called showing appreciation to somebody else's ideas. Um, you know, I read a study that 73% of people leave a job because of lack of appreciation. Just the ability to take that moment and listen to another person you, and, and remember another piece of, of improv is empathy the person may not have your complexity of the organization, your complexity of everything and, and, and previous knowledge. Doesn't mean you shoot them down, you listen to them, you push the conversation, yes, did you think about this? Yes, and have you thought about that? And the one that I love to use is, yes, I love this idea. Did you put yourself in my shoes? How do I sell it to my boss? And the look I get from them at that point is like, I didn't think about that. <laughs> so that becomes a teaching moment for them and it, it just it, it, saying no shuts things down it, it's fun to, to is to walk into a room with nothing use 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 the tenets of improv and walk out with the solution beautiful it really is now you have um you have a, a better program you're running right now. I don't know if we call it better or not. And, and so I've been enjoying being a member of that and some wonderful um, uh, improv games and some that you've developed. I think the, uh, the sl slideshow, I don't know if you call it slideshow. Um, uh, the slide deck improv. 
Fly deck, yeah. And could you talk about that a little bit? Because that is the funnest thing. I've been wanting to create one myself. So because I travel a lot, well, used to travel a lot right. with my business, I've always wanted to, one, teach an improv class. And uh, I was interviewing Jay Suko for my podcast about two, a couple months ago. And after we were done, he started asking questions about, could you use Zoom in an improv class? And then <clears throat> that's how we met at his beta test. Right. And I realized that from that day, you can conduct an improv workshop virtually and bringing people from around the country, even around the world. So I started a beta test with it and uh, got a great group there. And you're part of that group. And one of, the, one of the participants, her name is Kristen Rampey. She's a CPA who's also an improviser. And she came across this thing. It's, it's out there as PowerPoint Improv. She rebranded it for herself and done it. And it's called, we call it Slide Deck Improv. And what it is, is uh, somebody in the group is going to do a presentation on a topic that we're going to determine there. So no preconceived notion of what the topic is. And I've prepared four slides with only a picture. So they have to take the topic and relate it to the picture. And it is absolutely hilarious. It is, it is. And the, the other cool thing about it is it teaches folks to realize they know more than they think they know. And if you're stuck, just go with it, go with the topic, talk about it and don't as Jay says, follow that fear. No, it's brilliant. I've seen a couple of them that you have on your site. And uh, I was watching one and the topic was plant. And the first thing was some coins. And I think he opened with, uh, you know, most people don't realize that plants cost money. And he just <laughs> with every slide. It was really, really fun. So that's a great game. I just love it. And I want to get back to something you said about the respect and empathy because I think it's so true that many people do not feel respected, do not feel validated. I mean, that's what fills my business as a therapist is people right. coming from self images that are so impoverished. And I think improv really, one of the beautiful gifts is how it builds self-confidence. Do you see that as well? A absolutely. Uh, I grew up in a household that mistakes were not accepted that we could dad hated mistakes I, you know even from spilling accidentally spilling a glass of milk uh so i grew up where mistakes were not an option but that's just the opposite from the improv world the improv world accept the mistake move on happy accidents these are learning and it took me a while but once i realized it's okay it kind of freed me up from that ball and chain that had been around me for a long time and and, and then trying to teach my son Who's, who, who made it to 19 uh, <laughs> about it's okay to make mistakes. I'm, I'm, you know, even, even in his classwork, it's okay. Let's figure out what you did. Let's build a plan so we can eliminate the mistake again. So there's no yelling, there's no screaming, there's no threats. Um, and it's much more of an inviting environment where I hope he tests ideas and tests things and fails and figures it out because he, he doesn't know what he wants to do when he grows up and he's suffering. I've suffered from that for 
well, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up, <laughs> but I have a better idea. But I, I want him to make mistakes. So yes, it 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 has helped my self esteem tremendously. And did you grow up in a big family? Uh, we had there were three of us. No, the three kids were adopted. Oh. So, yeah, and, and according to my brother, I was bought off the clearance rack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I first I think I, I, I use this as as one of my 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 jokes. You know, most people they they get in a fight with a parent in the teenage years, and they, they tell the kid, you know, look, I brought you in this world, I can take you out. My my father said, I bought you, I can sell you. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, there's a lot of, there can be a lot of issues around being an adopted child, but that's beautiful that all three of you were adopted too. Yeah. That's a very caring thing. So yeah, our childhood really affects us in so many ways. However, it's getting back to that beautiful child within that improv. You know, there was all this inner child work going on at one point in time. You know, I, I'm working on finding my inner adult right now. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, to go back to that really playful time of, of not caring what was right or wrong or rules and just playing for the sake of playing. And right. that's when I really love improv is we're just playing for the sake of playing. Right. And, and you know, the word play in, in, in the business world is like almost like a four letter word. But we, we need to get back to play because play is creative and, and, and being more spontaneous and, and creating things and versus not and being held back. Exactly. Now, you've worked for some very large corporations like Pricewaterhouse mm -hmm. um, and uh, you've given workshops to all kinds of big, including Victoria's Secret. Now, you weren't a model for Victoria's Secret. You gave a presentation. Is that right? That's right. I was not a model, but thank you for thinking about that. I appreciate <laughs> that, Marco. That just made my day. <laughs> <laughs> and when you first started working with these big corporations and bringing improv in, what was it like? Were you, was it, did you find some challenges in the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Account, a large accounting firm. I'm not, I'm not here to be funny. This is not about being funny. You said improv. So they would not listen. Uh, same thing to some degree, even at, Price Water I'm at, at Victoria's Secret. Uh, we're retail. This is not about being funny. I, I know you like doing stand up and the, whatever you do, but and I, I, no matter how hard I try, it really wasn't accepted. And so this is back in the 90s, late 80s, 90s. Um, and then when I started developing courses around and trying to offer it, it was a, it was a hard, it's been a hard sell for many years until really I think the last three or four years. The uh, organizations are coming to learn that improv is that tool. Uh, I actually have a coaching client. He's a CPA. And his boss said, you know what? You need to take an improv class. And he, he, he found our group and turned it into a coaching piece. And the, the thing was, uh, I asked him, so did your boss ever take an improv class? Went, no. He's heard about it. He understands it and thinks that would help me which it's become more mainstream now, even though Second City Works has been doing wonderful work around the globe for years, it's still to some degree, especially with 
not so much the larger companies anymore. They're, they're accepting that. It's, it's some of the middle uh, market companies and, and smaller that um, are, just being, are just being introduced to it. I think you're right. I think it is growing by leaps and bounds. When I started, I wanted to work in, in you know, nursing homes, independent livings for seniors, et cetera. And I, I don't think I was really good at explaining it because I would, they would have this glazed look go over their eyes. And because there was this association with making jokes, being funny, and how can that possibly help us? And how can it improve teamwork? And I think, especially with groups like the Applied Improv Network, making, you know, being very active around the globe, that it's much more appreciated, but there's still a lot of people out there that don't get it, don't know what it's gonna be good for. And uh, that's why we have to be on our mission, like the witnesses go out there and say, this is gonna help you. <laughs> right, and actually what I've been doing, I'm, I'm getting ready to start on my third book with the working title, Improv for the C-Suite. And I get this, <laughs> I'm, 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 an I'm, I'm a trained accountant, so I have to build spreadsheets every now and then. But I've got the spreadsheet of resources from, I've, got, I've collected 39 articles out of business publications, Harvard Business Review, Forbes stuff, on improv as they as function within business. Uh, I've gone out and I think I've, I've compiled a list of maybe 28 books on improv. And then I've got a listing of about 28 YouTube videos that talk about improv. Uh, and the more I dig, the more I find. And I think that's why it's also starting to become a little bit more mainstream. It's, it's being written up yes. uh, in more business periodicals. Um, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal not, about a year or so ago where a uh, computer science degree could not be achieved at Northeastern University until they took an improv class that was developed for from the theater department for the computer science folks for the sole fact so they can become better communicators. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, Alan Alda's work with scientists out in Stony Brook, Long Island has been just marvelous. And he's a real pioneer. He really is in so many ways, as you are too, my friend, um, because you've just taken it all. I mean, you're on online, Twitter and YouTube and gosh, <laughs> Just all over the place. How many hours a day are you working, by the way? Uh, I, what I tell people is since 2010, I have not worked a day yet. Uh, <laughs> ask, ask my wife and you'll get a completely different story. Right, right now, uh, under this current environment where most of my revenue was coming from traveling and speaking, uh, I've used improv and, the, and creativity to... I'm working on what will my business look like really by end of July. Uh, what will it look like by, by December? And I'm redoing my whole business and trying to position it more for a post COVID uh, 19 environment where I'm not required to be on an airplane as much where I can drive revenue through other revenue streams. Um, and I try to find a silver lining and everything. And this thing is horrible. It's having you know, the deaths and the tragedy that's out there. I've tried to take the approach for myself. This is kind of a selfish approach, but it's, it's that staying present and, and focusing on things I have control over. 
that this has actually been a gift. How strange that sounds, but I would have not had the time to focus as much energy as I have on how to rebuild this business if this didn't rear its very ugly head and just stop everything. Absolutely. It's, it's given us all pause to look at who we are, what our values are, what's important to us, what's really important to us. And absolutely, playing all day long is a wonderful job, isn't it? And <laughs> such a gift to get. And, you know, when you're talking about business, I think about Kelly Leonard at Second City Chicago. Mm -hmm. And he's doing some wonderful work with his podcasts and things that he's got going with the business world as well. And um, uh, you're also aware recently I gave a virtual keynote and right. uh, getting ready for my second one. And have you done any of those yet? Because I think that's going to be the wave of the future. I have, I have participated in a virtual conference uh, where I pre-recorded everything and sent, sent it to them and was available. Uh, I hope, to do more of those. Uh, I'm very open to it. I, I'm doing my first, I, I've done virtual presentations in the past. Uh, I'm doing my first one via uh, Zoom this, up, this next Wednesday, uh, uh, May 20th, I believe it is. And it's a, it's a four hour class to a group of CPAs on financial storytelling that, um, it, you know, I don't really want to get an airplane anytime soon, Margo. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting to this, to the now normal versus, I don't think we've gotten to the new normal yet. No, no. Uh, and, um, just embracing it, run with it. I mean, what else can you do? Right? Absolutely. So are you going to do a live zoom? You're not pre-recorded. This is going to be a live classroom you're going to be doing. And, yes. and will, will you, how many people are you going to have? Will you see their heads like we do on zoom and interact? Yes, there'll be right now. There's 35 people signed up for this course. Great. Uh, I've I've actually sent a note to my contact uh, that they need to know that they need the camera on. This is an interactive program. I'm going to send them the breakout rooms. I'm going to call on them in class. I'm going to ask questions, and this isn't a typical continuing education program for accountants where they can virtually they can turn their camera off and do work and get credit for it mm -hmm. yep yeah it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun i know that drill yeah <laughs> and when i was doing live workshops what do you mean i gotta get up <laughs> i'm very right. comfortable here because right. people in the mental health field often are kind of used to one kind of a thing being talked at or right. whatever instead of being talked with uh, which is a big difference. Um, you have some wonderful game ideas on your website too. I can't, I'm blocking them right now. Do you have any favorite games? Do you have any favorite warm-up games that you like to use? What I, my go-to when I, when I do um, work with, when I do this as continued education in, in the class, I get them to do the, um, the no because, yes but, and yes and drill. And that really, they get it at that point in time. I say, have a conversation about anything, pitch an idea. First time you come back, the person says no because and gives a reason. You do that for a minute or so. Same pitch with yes, but, and then same pitch with yes, and. And then we do the debrief and they go, oh, wow. We were able, we were able with yes, and we were able to do a lot more. It's much more positive, made me feel better versus no and but and then i'd go well how many of you guys are no's and buts oh wait a minute you're cpas <laughs> most everybody in this room how can you change that 
how can you say no in a different, much more positive manner? Hmm. And then I get them to become better listeners. We'll play one word story uh, or last word spoken, which are some of my favorites. Um, I used to do one. Uh, I would get try to get five to seven volunteers out of the audience. That usually took about five or seven Starbucks cards to bribe them to come up on stage. And I called it beach ball, bouncy ball, squishy ball, and frog. And they get in a circle, and we have a beach ball, and they would throw the beach ball, and they, somebody would catch and say thank you. And then after a few times, I would introduce another item. So you get two items going. I bring another item, three items going, for, and things are flying everywhere. And, and then we would debrief, and I would go, did that feel like your office at times? when it's the Wizard of Oz and the flying monkeys are around and you're trying to delegate work and it's just piling up on one person over here and somebody over here is not get, and they're, oh yeah, that, I, I get it, I get it. How do, you, how do you slow down during those times? So it's, I, I, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this. I, I, I love the business of attributes that it has uh, and just finding more people uh, beginning to accept it. And I, I just also want to say that I, I very much appreciate your work that you do, uh, especially with those with anxiety, uh, because I think in this environment, God, we need more improv to help deal with all this anxiety that, that you know, we're, we're fighting through. It's so true. And uh, I'm taking a moment Take a moment. <laughs> Take a moment. I love the image of the balls going around. It, <laughs> it's really a great metaphor. Uh, do you ever use music in your workshops at all? Because I love, I love, I've done musical improv, which is a whole different thing, and I, I love it. I don't do much of it, but I find that music is so healing, and so I like to play some singing games sometimes. Have you ever gotten into that realm? Because you're a musical person, aren't you? Um, don't let the guitar over there fool you. Uh, I don't play. That's there to remind me that I want to play, <laughs> but 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 I don't play. Uh, actually, I, I will say, I will pick up the guitar every now and then if I'm stuck in coming up with an idea and just strum it and just hear the sounds coming from it, which tends to help free up that stuck thought. Uh, I, I, would, I, I, I would love to do musical improv. I don't have a singing voice. Uh, oh, oh, you don't have to be able to sing to do musical improv, though, Peter. Anybody can do it. That's what I've been told, and I just, I have not had the opportunity to do musical improv, so I think maybe uh, on our next, when you join us for the next uh, virtual improv workshop class, that you bring in musical improv for everybody and teach us. <laughs> okay, that's a great idea. That's wonderful. Well, this has been such a great chat this morning with you. I think we'll do it again too sometime. Maybe when we're on the other side of this, hopefully. Um, I'm very happy you're not gonna be traveling soon. I'm happy you're staying where you're planted right now. I think it's good. I think you have so many gifts and one of them is making people feel comfortable. And I think a, a good, a really excellent speaker engages the audience because they feel comfortable with them right away, you know? And I know when I started that, uh, the test group with you, I immediately felt so validated and respected and not 
every improv class is like that, unfortunately. I mean, there are wonderful improv classes all over the place, mm -hmm. but then there are some times where people kind of, the, the leaders may be a little, I don't want to be negative this morning, right. so, um, what I'll say, but um, I, I think that that welcoming power, that's coming from the Midwest, isn't it? That's that Midwest friendliness. You know, I, 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 I was born and raised in Lexington, Kentucky. And there's a little bit of friendliness being a, being a Southerner. Uh, but I, I think I've had some wonderful coaches over the years. Um, and, I, and I think it's just adopting that, that, that improv mindset of, of empathy. Of, of, you know what? I've been doing this for a long time. These folks have not, this might be their first time. So, and, and I'm starting to understand that how they're, they're a little bit, um, a little bit, uh, you know, there's too much in their head. So, you know, just kind of working with them as, as I would, I would hope that uh, those improv coaches would work with, especially new students, yeah. is remembering their first time and knowing that they're scared. Knowing that this, you know, this is scary for them. So you've, you've got to kind of ease them over the ledge, not push them over the ledge. Exactly. Exactly. It reminds me of that Zen story of the beginner's mind. Right. And keep that beginner's mind every day. And, and also how improv is such a mindful experience. Mindfulness has become such a uh, catchy phrase these days because people are making a lot of money off of it with apps and classes, but mindfulness is a very old tradition. And if you look at Viola Spolin, her work is mindful work, I think. So, um, yes, very much so. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting to learn more and more ab about her. Uh, a friend uh, found this book out in San Francisco and gave it to me called Improv Nation. And it's like a history book. It's wonderful. Uh, I just got it too. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. So I, sure. I've, I have to carve out time uh, to sit down and read that one. Um, Jay Succo puts out that wonderful newsletter, and there was he's been highlighting some books. And I just purchased this book called um, Hold on a second. It's title of it is How to Be the Greatest Improviser on Earth by Will Hines. Will Hines, yeah. And man, I'm 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 just consuming that big time. I, I love that. I've I've got. A, a whole lot of improv books and I just I, I just love to read. I will get to Improv Nation, which is more of a history book to right. learn more about it. But what I've learned, I've just, I just, I can now go, this, is never, this was never meant to be funny. Right. It just evolved to be funny. This right. was meant to assimilate children in the Chicago neighborhoods who immigrated to the United States to become better assimilated with their neighborhood, with, with their new country, uh, uh, through the teachings of Violas Bowling, which was, you know, that to me really speaks to the power uh, of improv. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great morning. I have really enjoyed talking with you and seeing you. Of course, our, our listeners will hear you. They won't be able to <laughs> pull in, but we'll have plenty of photos so they can <laughs> dig the Peter persona. <laughs> and I think you're doing fantastic work and really important work. And I really appreciate all that you're doing, Peter. You're a genuinely human being with a huge heart. And do you have any maybe 
advice or suggestions for people that might want to think about improv knowing that there are no mistakes and it's okay to fail? My advice would go from what Jay Suko, my first, first time I interviewed Jay was when the, when the podcast was titled Improv is No Joke. So it's about three years ago and I remember what he said, if everybody in this world took an improv class, it would be a much nicer, kinder place. So don't let an improv class make you fearful. There is some fear there as, as anything is new, but once you put your toe in the water, uh, I'm not gonna guarantee anything, but if you go in with an open mind, you're gonna find a lot of power in that improv class and you may just get hooked. Great. Well, you're a delight, my friend, and I'll be seeing you again soon. And thank yeah. you for taking the time this morning. Uh, you're really, I just love you. You're the greatest. Mm. Speaker. Thank you. As I do you, and I applaud you and your, all of your hard work uh, in making this a better place for others who, are, who might be struggling. Thank you. All right. We'll say adieu for now. Adieu for now. Adieu. Adios. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and look forward to you joining us next time on Improv Interviews with Margot Escott.